Hello, racing fans. Edison Hatter back here with another episode of First Over with Edison Hatter, this time to discuss the races at Woodbine Mohawk for this coming Friday, September the 3rd, 2021. And to help me talk about the races today, I'm glad to be joined by Woodbine's own Monique Page. So, Monique, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be really exciting. It's it's good that we get to chat races in advance. And it's good that I'm forced to do my handicapping and my homework so much earlier. So I'm well prepared for Friday and Saturday as well. well that's good, especially this weekend. We got some huge, huge, huge Grand Circuit events coming up this weekend for sure at Woodbine Mohawk. And we'll kick it off Friday evening with this 12 race program. But before we get into the handicapping, Monique, we'll talk just a little bit about some of your background. So obviously you've been at Woodbine Mohawk for about the past two years, but talk a little bit about how you just kind of got into the industry in general. Yeah, so I grew up going to the racetrack. It was always something that I did um, ever since I can really remember. And it was, you know, for most people, they kind of have like a specific love towards one breed or another or sort of lean one way. But for me, it was always, you know, I remember so often going to the track on Saturdays and that would be Woodbine and um, watching the thoroughbreds with my parents. Then I also remember sometimes staying extra late and doing um, some of the harness racing there too. So that was always something that I, I loved. And, you know, my dad, he definitely preferred harness. That was always something that I just really thoroughly enjoyed. And for me, in terms of handicapping and getting really into that, it was kind of a way that I thought would be a great way of bonding with my dad. And I know he'd go to the tracks on on Saturday and he kind of got into some of the other tracks like Clamber Downs was one that he really loved. So I remember really sitting down one day in high school and learning all the ins and outs about the program and, and learning how to read certain things on, on, on a program that maybe particular people aren't familiar familiar to. So maybe some of like the avid people that, you know, obviously pay attention to racing night in and night out would know. But I was like, all right, let's really get into rewatching replays and learn how to break down lines. And that's how I really fell in love with it, just the intricacies and how you can take so many different spins on handicapping. And for me, I just, I love that. It was just, it was always a puzzle every single race, every single day. That's definitely what drew me to, to racing as like an adult, I'd say. So Monique, that was going to be my next question for you, since I know that you obviously um, do some writing about the thoroughbreds, you've obviously covered the Queen's Plate um, this year, so to put you on the spot, what is your personal strategy that you have to pick between thoroughbreds and harness? So it depends, are we watching or are we betting? Oh, well, how about both? Okay, well, I mean, it's it's difficult when when we come to handicapping to go against the thoroughbreds, just because you have such full, you have such full fields, you have... Um, so many different surface changes. You'd have so many more, I'd say, jockey changes. You have imported horses too. So it's there's so much there's so much more to cover handicapping wise from the thoroughbreds. But harness I find a tad bit easier. I think it is because the favorites are clicking at such a higher rate, and I do feel like you can find a couple of races on the card in harness that you can build your ticket around. So I find it easier from that perspective. Um, I, I can't answer. <laughs> it's so hard though. It's not that I don't want to answer, but it's just, I really don't. There's so many pros and cons to both. And as, as I'm sure you're well aware too. So it's difficult from that, from that perspective to really choose because they are so vastly different. Well, Monique, I'm guessing I'm going to get a similar answer here on this question, but I'll also throw in, since I know you are a sports better as well and a mm-hmm. sports fan, how does sports betting and watching sports compare to you for um, horse racing in particular? 
So, I mean, it's another thing too. It's just, it's so much more, it's, it's so enjoyable watching sports. And I find I can really watch sports without placing wagers. Whereas in racing, I can do exactly the same thing. And I think it's just more of an appreciation of, of the game itself. Um, but for me, of course, I like to place a wager here and there. Um, and it's just something I love to do when I get home. I love to fill my weekends with watching sports. It's just, for me, I'm definitely, can't really say I'm an adrenaline junkie because I'm not the type that would love, you know, skydiving. I don't love heights. I don't love any of those things, but I do feel I'm a pretty adventurous person in general. So I feel like I can kind of get my adrenaline fixed, get my blood pumping and, and, and do that through sports and racing. That's definitely a huge tie that I have with both. Are you a big sports fan yourself? I am, yeah, um, definitely. I'm with you on that for sure. I think for racing and sports for me in general, I, I can obviously um, for sure appreciate them when I do have a, a gamble on them, but definitely can just enjoy them in general. Um, yeah. And I know for you, I know some of your big ones are like college football and the NFL in terms of yeah. betting and I guess watching as well, but, but any others that particularly stand out for you sports-wise that you enjoy? Yeah, I love basketball. That's definitely my thing. NBA and college ball too. I feel like there's nothing like March Madness. You can just based on just how unique it is in and of itself and it's having so many games so jam-packed and I think it's just an incredible opportunity for these student athletes to to be able to showcase their skills maybe they play for a team that's not one that's fully scouted all the time or nationally recognized but to have that opportunity and because it is you know it all comes down to a game I, I find that you know, it's pros and cons to it, of course, because, you know, you kind of don't want your entire season to, to rest on one game that you might have an off shooting night. But still, it just adds that much more excitement to it. And it puts so much pressure. So I love that. Um, and then in terms of other sports, really anything that's relevant in season. So I don't watch regular season baseball, but when it comes to postseason, I think that's one of the most exciting. Likewise with hockey. I'm one of those... I feel like I get the the rep of sometimes being like a fake Canadian because I mean I love hockey I love postseason hockey but some of the regular season games it's tough to get into there's just so many in the season but again when we get into the playoffs that's a whole different breed of sport that's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, with you, I can watch pretty much any, any major sport. Um, and, you know, I think one of my, my personal favorites, actually, and, and one I don't gamble on because I, I can't down here, is uh, uh, college volleyball, actually. And I guess anyone oh. that was listening last week and was interested in my decision, I had a choice last weekend to make um, big Stanford volleyball fans. It was either Stanford volleyball's uh, season opener at Villanova University or going to the Charlestown Classic, my choice last Friday. So I did end up going to Stanford's uh, – season over and it was a very enjoyable time. Um, but from a gambling perspective, I think the one that I've really found in the past couple months that's kind of interesting to me as a sport I never really paid much attention to before is golf, actually. I, I think um, it's a really interesting one just because you just get this huge, you know, to put it in horse racing terms, you basically get a 150 horse field yeah. um, and, you know, and, and, you know, more than half of them have a legitimate chance at some pretty big prices. So I think that's a really attractive sport to me lately from a gambling perspective. <laughs> That's really cool. So for me, I'm not, I don't follow golf, but I always see the odds come up and I hear people talking how they got a hundred to one on somebody. And I'm like, how, like how in the world? But you think about it, there are so many opportunities to like hedge your bet, so to speak, or to watch it live and be able to to see who's shooting well and, and be able to capitalize off that. But like you mentioned, there's just so many 
entrance that you have to be getting good prices. And I find that cool though, because for me, I, I do love placing some of those futures wagers on who's going to win, you know, the, the world series or the Stanley cup, but I love to do those so much, or even like the Kentucky Derby, but to do them so much in advance, I find is amazing. But, but then again, you're looking at like 40, 50 to ones, but to really have a shot come, you know, a couple weeks before the event. So it's cool from that perspective, but yeah, it's, it's one of those markets that I feel like is, is awesome to be able to take advantage of. But that's really interesting with volleyball. What's your connection? Did you play? Is that why you're really drawn to the sport? I didn't. I don't know. It's just kind of one of those sports that, um, you know, so for me, I, personally, neither one of my parents were exactly huge sports people, horse racing or otherwise. So um, it was really just kind of me, myself, having to find things on TV and become interested in them. And that's why my, my teams across the board are just kind of so random because it wasn't really geographic. It was really just what I found first. So my, my dad being a baseball fan um, a little bit, that's maybe the one sport they were a little interested in for sure. got me on Baltimore Orioles. Um, and then for football, I did manage to find the Ravens, but I actually had a teacher in elementary school that, that was a huge Steelers fan. So I'm actually kind of a Raven Steelers fan, which is I think the weirdest combo ever. <laughs> um, basketball, I found the Orlando Magic. Hockey, I found the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, vo- college volleyball, I, I found Stanford University. So I, it, my teams are just completely scattered across the board. I love that though. That's that. It makes it even more interesting because usually some people, at least around here, so when you get into some of the like American sports, so whether it be like football, it's difficult because obviously we don't have a team, so you have a ton of Bills fans. But then you also get people that are fans of just random teams. So I know a couple people that were like diehard fans of the Vikings or fans of the Raiders. And it's uh, and it's usually because their dad was a fan of that. Like I know for me, uh, my mom was a huge like Chicago Bears fan because when she came to Canada, that was one of the first teams that she just fell in love with because they were just so dominant and she, you know, she loved that. So I guess if anything, I'd say, you know, I always kind of have a little like secret soft spot for them. But yeah, and it's, it's, it's really interesting from that perspective that you have so many like eclectic um, different teams and that makes it cool. It makes it more fun and more exciting to root for. So, Monique, before we get into handicapping, one last question that I've been asking a lot of my guests lately, since it seems like I've had a younger demographic most recently on the show here. So how do you think, and especially kind of with your knowledge of sports wagering, thinking maybe towards fixed odds possibly, how do we get people in our age group, our age bracket, interested in horse racing? I think the most important thing uniformly is to get people to the track. I feel like the racetrack itself, when you're there, you're there at the atmosphere, you're able to have a drink, a good bite to eat, you're able to watch the races. I think that sells itself. But I think the problem is getting people in the door. So how do you do that? That becomes another issue. Well, you can do kind of those marquee, well, marquee events will always attract people, the derbies, the um, the Travers, any, any stakes like that, the NA Cup, those will always attract people. But I feel like, you know, for me personally, but it's so difficult logistically to, to get into it. But I feel like the best way to get people betting would be to to give them a voucher, give them an opportunity. I know with Dark Horse, we've been trying to do um, promotions where you register with a promo code and you get $30 straight into your account. And I feel like that, you know, makes it more appealing when you're playing with house money because you're more um, inclined to potentially take risks, then you don't feel as as guilty for someone that's not inherently involved in betting and someone that might be a little bit more tentative to do that. So I think that's a great perspective, but of course, difficult to really get the funds to be able to, to provide everyone with, you know, a two or $5 betting voucher. But I think that's the best way. The most important thing is just getting people in the door because of how exciting our sport is as a whole. I think it sells itself. 
Yeah, you know, that's one thing um, I talked about when someone mentioned it the other week. We were just talking on this topic, and at the Meadowlands, it was back at the end of July, we hosted um, an event for 18 to 30 year olds, a free handicapping contest, uh, $5,000 in prize money, free to enter. They enter, they get a free program. I think we gave them maybe $20 and like free food yeah. credits. I mean, all sorts of great stuff. I mean, obviously, you know, it did cost some money out of our, our budget, of course. But it was a fantastic turnout, and I know, you know, between my time when I wasn't on the air kind of walking around, I really saw people that – and talked to a lot of people that were there for the first time and really just enjoying themselves. Um, so for sure, I think that's a really important way to to help grow the sport. What else did you get as an answer that really stood out to you? Or what else do you think would be a good way? Well, the two major ones for me is, and I know this has been on the topic lately because New Jersey's been working through the legislature on passing fixed odds wagering. So especially recently, in the last day or two on on Twitter and social media, I know there's been a lot of discussion over these computerized betting programs and, you know, late odd shifts as they're going into the gate and, you know, before they're off. Um, So I, I think that is a big one. And also, I talk a lot about um, availability of information, and, and you as a sports better, of course, know this, that you can go online and get any statistic in the world you want mm-hmm. for free on, on sports. Um, and yet, for horse racing, most places, you have to pay for a program. I think we're doing better at giving free past performances. But I guess for people that even want to go deeper than that, if you look at, like, Pathway, for example, through the USTA, I mean, you can rack up quite a bill by looking up horses and really, you know, truly looking at deep, deep, um, past performances and stuff. So uh, I think free availability of information and fixed odds wagering are kind of the two big ones for me personally. Hmm, I like that. My kind of rebuttal with the fixed odds wagering is, you know, anyone, I don't know, necessarily know if that's an attracting point to people that aren't either sports betting or aren't either wagering in general, because for many people, it's like they don't really know the way betting works in general. So I feel like that would be maybe a step forward, like once you already get people in the door. But I feel like we have to start somewhere as like as a whole in order to attract them in general. So maybe even if it is like the idea of just having concerts or having just something big or having something that you can do. So if you're not particularly comfortable with betting, you're at least still there and maybe could be persuaded into doing it from that perspective. But yeah, and of course, fixed odds would be would be a great thing. I know a lot of people take advantage of the um, the offshore books that do allow it. Um, but I, I don't know how close or how far we would really be away from there and what the first change would be going that direction. But of course, it would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess when I say that, I'm really thinking more of, of people I know that are sports bettors already. So if they're yeah. not gamblers already, that, that's a different topic. But really, I'm thinking sports gamblers coming over to racing and, you know, I've been with friends at the track before, and, and they don't exactly understand how they're betting mm-hmm. a horse at four to one. They think they're going to get four to one. And, of course, the horse goes off at, say, nine to five, you know, yeah. and their, their money's been cut in half. So I think those are really the people I'm talking to there. But, no, you're right. Then there's the, the different topic of um, people that aren't gamblers a- at all um, to begin with. But, um, anyway, some good background there and some good discussion. But I think it's time for us to get down to some handicapping. As we will discuss, again, this Friday card, September the 3rd, 2021, at Woodbine Mohawk. We have 12 races, um, and as always, we'll be discussing the early pick five and a couple of featured races. And if you'd like to get your free program to follow along with Monique and I, you can go to woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs. And race one, as always, will kick off that $100,000 guaranteed early pick five, 20-cent base wager, races one, two, three, four, and five. 
And race one is a Phillies and Mariners non-winners of 3,600 in their last five starts or non-winners of 7,000 in their last 10 starts. It's on the pace for a purse of 12,000. And Monique, you are starting off with a bang. You have a single here in the first leg. Yeah, so... I mean, this opening sequence, I always say that even if it does come through pretty chalky, that it still can pay so nice just because how big the pools are and how big the pools have been lately, which is, you know, that's just fantastic from a betting perspective. And it's just so enticing to be able to try to do that. And you can even play for as low as 20 cents. That makes it even better. But right away, I think in in the opening leg, Twin B Tipster is going to be incredibly, incredibly tough. And I'm just pulling up the lines and I'm just trying to see if, if this horse has ever raced, if his mare has ever raced at a level as low as this one. And I mean, you got to go so far back in, into that. The race definitely goes through her. I think she's going to be a lot sharper. I think she had an excuse in that most recent one, just being up against it in, in terms of some tough competition in there. Had a bunch of them go on to, to do good things um, lately from that most recent outing. So it's, you know, it's difficult from that perspective to to try to play against her. But for me, she's just going to be a single in the opening leg. I know she's going to be, I would presume, odds on in there um, just based on, on looking at it. But she has been struggling. So I think that might be the one reason why she might not be a single for, for quite a few. But, you know, when you do that deep dive and you look into it, she's capable of a huge effort here. And she can win in so many different ways. It's just, you know, a great spot for her. What about you? What did you do in the opening leg here? Well, Monique, you, you made my life kind of easy there. You, you pretty much started down the way I was going to go, which was saying that obviously the four twin B tips are that is my top selection. She is making such a huge drop, and I'm with you. And it's been quite a while since she's ever been to non-winners of 3,600. Um, and definitely is surely going to be the one to beat. And despite not being the morning line favorite, I suspect will be, as you mentioned, odds on by post time. But I do think she is beatable, and I think if you take her out of the equation, it becomes pretty open underneath. So I'm actually going to use three others in there. I'm going to use the two, Esprit de Queep, the six, mm-hmm. Greystone, Natalie O, and the eight, Cat. For the two, um, I think that uh, does lose Doug McNair, but she went through some pretty quick fractions last time out to lead against similar company, 54-3 and three to the half, 26-1 and one for the opening quarter. So if she's going to try to do it from the front end again and can control the tempo a little bit better, Maybe she can steal it from there. For the six, that's your morning line favorite. Another one that's making um, a drop in class here. And uh, was four to five favorites back on July 31st over at Georgian Downs. Had a first over trip from there. Kind of a tough one at this kind of similar type company. So dropping back to this level, she also will figure take some money in here. She's 0 for 8 this year. She was 6 for 11 last year. So for sure, that first win of the season has to be coming for her at some point. Yeah. And for the eight cat, this is another one that's shown some gate speed in the past. Had post 7 and post 9 against similar type conditions back on August 6th and August 13th and hit the board both times, so maybe she can overcome that outside post to put in another good effort here. So 2, 4, 6, and 8, even numbers for me here to start the first leg. So we move on to race 2. That's interesting, though. I just want to mention that right away early. I don't mean to interrupt you, but... Right away in that opening leg, it's so interesting because you have horses that are dropping down to this level because they're struggling. So I feel like you either take that same approach as me or they take the same approach as you and include many others because, you know, ultimately you look through it and you see a bunch of horses with one win in 2021 or winless in 2021, but just put in easier spots. So I do like that you did load up in terms of that race and you do have some coverage because I feel like so much of the pool is going to be eliminated if Twin B Tipster doesn't win, but also, you know, they are struggling, simply put. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a, a tricky opening leg in that sense. And these are always kind of interesting races, these kind of like middle conditioned events where, right, you got horses that 
might be hitting the board consistently at the level, but just beaten by better. And then you've got horses that really show nothing in the form line, but they're making such big drops that you have to respect them. Um, but for me personally, especially on this show, I always seem to get knocked out in the first leg. So I think <laughs> it's like a new rule that I've got to go deep in that first leg to make sure I don't get knocked out. <laughs> I get it. I know. No one wants to lose in the first leg because then you have opportunity. Well, I mean, would you rather lose the first leg or the last leg? That's always that debate where you got such polarizing opinions on it. But I guess for you, it would be the last leg because at least if you're live to a lot of money, you have an opportunity to kind of hedge your bet and place a different type of wager. So there are ways and, and pros about it. But yeah, no one wants to get it on the first leg, especially if you don't have that strong of a read. Yeah, and you know, and even even if you don't uh, hedge, even if you are just alive to the last leg, at least you got a, at least a good hour and a half or more of, of entertainment. You know, like one just kind of like rip up the ticket and turn on <laughs> some sports or something else. You know, um, so race two, second leg of this early pick five, uh, it's on the trot for seventy five thousand four hundred. It's the casual breeze for three year old fillies. And Monique, how did you see this one? So for me, again, I think the race goes through Hawaii, um, but I didn't single her in this spot. She did just get beat by a neck in that most recent start. And that was a tough trip to a really good one. And I'm extra special who ended up winning on that day. And also that wasn't at Woodbine, which I think is kind of really important in this particular perspective. And then even the likes of Spartan general, and it took a lot of support, uh, I believe uh, last time we were racing. So that would be on uh, Saturday night. That one took a lot of support too, but I feel like Hawaii is going to be incredibly tough in this spot. Um, does have tons of experience versus gold but another one that's just been camera shy as of late so I can't trust her all that much although I do think she wins that race if she gets a covered up trip in that most recent start there are a bunch of others in here to consider as well um, as you know um, Luke Blay Determination Bob McClure they get so much betting support they're usually if almost always over bet in that spot but she's in with a fantastic shot oh for six but you could see her resume from last year who she was up against and i mean again she's another one that just met some really good ones and you've seen some different types of trips from her so likely to be i presume an off the pace effort out of that rail post so she's another one to consider um and then some of the others in here um which other one did i include i included the uh three horse midnight miracle and landed on this one on top just because of how good she's been racing you know, she started off racing against some fillies in the golds, just was in very tough. And then I feel like she kind of turned a table with that victory at Georgian Downs. She was able to win convincingly in that effort as a short race favorite and then came here, tried her luck in that grassroots event. It was good to go in that spot, just a dominant performance. And I love what I saw with her, her most recent try in the golds. She's another one that just missed off of that trip. Um, and I'm extra special, the winner on that day, Hawaii, the runner-up finisher. I thought she raced incredibly well in that spot. And I think she's one of those horses that are kind of peaking at the right time and taking a huge step forward, which I really like to see. So I ultimately ended up putting her on top. Well, Monique, we're going to get along very well if you keep this up. You're making my job very easy for me in race two. It's one, three, and five. Um, Not much more to add to what you said, except that I will say that I wasn't really huge on the five Hawaii when I originally started looking at this race. And I just have to give a shout out to Robert Reed Jr. and how great of a job he does with the horse player's journal and reading yeah. some of his analysis on her got me to go look up um, the race. And he mentioned that she put in a couple of bad steps there on that far turn. Might not have liked that smaller track at Grand River and uh, obviously only loses by a neck in the end. So uh, again, shout out to him for some really good analysis as always in the horse player's journal. And yeah, one, one, three and five from here, exact same as you. As we go to race three, Phillies and mares, four-year-olds and younger, non-winners of two races or 23,000 lifetime. They're on the pace for a purse of 16,000. And Monique, you go pretty deep in this leg. 
Yeah, and I hope I took enough of them in here. I do not like this race whatsoever. I think it's so tricky. You can make a case for so many. You have a few of them jumping up in class, trying their luck from um, that not winners. One coming in off of victory, which I think is usually a good nod of confidence. They could likely take a step forward. The five Carson's Gouda. I don't know what type of betting support that one's going to take, but that's coming off of a really good effort in that most recent one, a good spot. And I thought was really knocking on the door to getting that first victory. But I think the waters are much, much deeper in her for, uh, in that particular race. I think with the eight state of mind coming in off of only a qualifier on August the 24th, Time away, scratch sick in those two most recent starts. And I don't love to back horses coming in off qualifiers. But then on the other hand, you're just going to be getting, I would presume, a really good price on her in this particular spot. And I like what I saw in the qualifier. I think timing-wise was really sharp. And I thought it looked good. And I thought had every excuse maybe not to win in there and didn't need to. So I think it's a good spot for her uh, based on who she was competing against uh, in 2020. Did go three for three, which I love to see. And, you know, I think is is probably going to be put into play early. And maybe she's not driven as aggressively as as, as that um, she was last year. But I thought that qualifier is a good nod of, uh, nod of confidence. And I think she could be fresh to fire. And most importantly, I think she'd offer a good price in that spot. So for me in here, uh, I end up just using the four and the five, the four JM bet on six and the five Carson Scuda. Uh, they're the two, as you mentioned, coming off of wins, both from post seven, both of the non-winners of one level. Um, and they both did it pretty impressively as, as favorites. In um, particular, Carson Scuda did it in 152 and three, um, but a 29 second last quarter. So it definitely was, um, you know, on, on cruise control there through the stretch, we'll go on top by, by five at the top of the stretch, ended up winning by five and three quarters. So just kind of here down there in the end. So we'll see how she does on the step up. Uh, JM bet on six, kind of a similar tail, ended up taking over past the half and rolled on to a five and a half length victory in 154 flat. Uh, so Van Philly on back aboard there. So just four and five for me here in race three. Race four, the Ontario Sire Stakes gold. This was um, one of two divisions here with 14 entered split into two divisions. We'll discuss both of them, but this is the only one in the early pick five. Um, and this is a field of seven Ontario Sire Stakes gold division, two-year-old Phillies, $100,600 purse. On the pace, and once again, great minds think alike or misery like company. We're both on the same single here with the seven silver label. Yeah, it's so difficult to really go through connections in terms of Nicolucci and Millar Farms and pick out who their most impressive youngster is because they have, they are absolutely stacked and loaded with with their horses this year and they've been incredible and she has been so impressive the way she's won those races how professional she's looked on the track how she's looked like how she's been a wrapped up winner in many of those starts she's gonna be so tough in there and again she's another one and I always mention how if I'm backing a short price in there I love a horse that can show that versatility and I know can win if the start isn't ideal or a horse that doesn't need the front or doesn't need faster fractions and she could do it any which way she's gonna be so tough I mean, she's been dominant versus gold foes already thus far in her career, and I think she stays undefeated after today. I really couldn't find anyone to play against her. Not that I would, but still, you know, sometimes you see a horse that comes in particularly sharp and you think could take a big step forward. I just, I couldn't find anyone in here. I mean, I guess it would be balance. She makes sense to potentially pull off the upset in here, but just what we've seen as a silver label and how she was able to... Um, get the better of Prohibition Legal in that most recent, or how Prohibition Legal was able to get the better of balance in that effort on August 17th, I guess, is, is all the reassurance I really need. 
Yeah, I mean, I am with you on the single to the seven sober label. Um, you, you really hit on my major point, especially with these two-year-olds. It's just, you know, sometimes when they're four for four, there's kind of a different different types of four for four. Sometimes you're a four mm -hmm. for four that's just kind of gone right down the road with everything going your own way. But this is kind of a different four for four. This is four for four that's won from on the pace, parked out through the first half mile last time out, um, <laughs> has been done it from, you know, six by five lengths of the quarter the start before, so... Pretty versatile type here, for sure. Makes her pretty dangerous. Um, so that is my single. But I will say for the three balance, definitely she if, – if you told me that Silver Label was a lose, that's probably the one to win. And I don't know. She definitely is a, is a nice filly. I'm, I'm always biased towards our Meadowlands horses, and in particular the ones that I've called. So I know that I called that qualifier back on July 17th, <laughs> her second time on the track. And I do know – I do recall she looked very, very good that day with Scott Zeron in the bike. But um, Silver Label definitely will be tough in here. So as we move on to the last leg, race five, Phillies and Mares, non-winners of 8,500 in their last five starts, or non-winners of 17,000 in their last 10 starts. It's on the pace for 16,000, and uh, I use four of them in here, and Monique, you use five of them in here. Yeah, I like to see that you loaded up in here, because I know for, for many, Laura's love is, is an immediate single based on who she was up against last year. Stakes tested, a winner of quite a few, a winner of a couple golds at the very least, a bunch of runner-up finishes. Um, and I mean, ended up winning that super final second place first in that effort there. So she has talents and spade, talent and spades. She's looked so good last year. This year, off to a little bit slower than ideal start, I would say. But I mean, what's there really to say? She's capable of a huge bounce back effort. But you know, I don't think she showed me all that much in that most recent effort on August the 27th. Now, granted, she may have needed a start. There was quite a bit of time away, and I did try her on that day. I thought she would offer a good price in there, and I thought she could have been ready. But she, again, like I said, I don't think she showed me all that much. So then again, we run into that issue where if we're not singling her, I feel like you can make a case for many others. So I did land on Lady Lou as my top pick. Another one that I thought you know, in 2020 was a tad bit camera shy with only one win, but was very consistent. And I do like that she's already doubled her wins in 2021. And I would project her to be one of the speed presences in this race. And I think if she's able to get to the front end, get away with some type of manageable fractions or work out a pocket trip, I think she's going to be very tough in there. Love the breeding. Love the post. I love that uh, Jody Jameson is back on board once again. I think she could offer a nice price and offer some type of value in race five. Where I think we're going to need some value in some of those races and some up upsets because I do think it's going to be pretty chalky in a couple of the other legs. That's the one I landed on. What about you? Who was your topic? So you end up using the one, four, five, seven, and eight in there. For me, it's the one, two, four, and five. You kind of hit the points I was going to make on Laura's love, um, right? I just. I, you know, it's another one of those droppers, so she definitely has to be respected. But, yeah, I mean, I guess she might have needed that start off a couple months off last time out. But um, just didn't really show a whole lot in there. It didn't take money, though, 7-1. to one. Um, And then for the eight, or the four Lady Lou, yeah, 8-1 on the morning line. Um, better post-draw, parked out early through each of those last two starts. So I definitely think she's in with a chance. Uh, like you, I use the one good night, Irene. Um, you know, I think so often we talk about uh, the Post Gods not being kind to a horse. This is one that uh, the Post Gods have been very kind to. She now draws the rail for her fourth time in, in five starts. Um, and I believe those were all drawn. I don't think any of them were assigned. Yeah, I believe that's true. So, so there's very, very good luck in the in the, in the draw box there. Um, and, you know, she's got a third, a second, and a second against similar company in her last three. So, uh, but knocking on the door, one for 13 this year, had four wins last year. So she has to get that picture taken again sometime soon. And then the horse that I use that you don't use is the two kicking cowgirl. Um, 
Another one that's making a drop down was in the preferred actually over at Georgian, uh, a little bit tougher company here at uh, Woodbine the past couple starts, but we've seen at this level back on July the 30, I put in a pretty good second place effort there from post three. So nice draw here today with post two um, and also pretty good third place finish in that preferred out of Georgian in the first start for the Richard Moreau barn. So a second start here for the connections and we'll see what she has. So one, two, four and five for me here to close it out in the last leg. Um, so to recap our tickets for Monique, it's a $15 play. It's four with one, three, five with one, three, four, five, eight with seven with one, four, five, seven and eight. And for me, it's a $19 and 20 cent play two, four, six, eight with one, three, five with four, five with seven with one, two, four, five. So next, we'll take a look at a couple of featured races later in the card. And actually, we'll just go one race later um, to race six. This is that second division of the casual breeze for the three-year-old Phillies. $75,400 purse on the trot. Monique, what do you think of this race? Oh, boy. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to ask me about this race. And I'm very happy that I'm on the hook for that early pick five. Because I don't know. I don't have an opinion in here. I mean, obviously, you land on the two the two power horses, the five and the six, HP Mama B. I'm extra special. Both of those coming in, riding those nice winning streaks. Both of those just been so good. And, and at times have been able to, you know, turn the tables on each other. We had I'm extra special winning a bunch of them. HP Mama B winning a bunch of them. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to lean I'm extra special on top. But again, I could be persuaded very easily. What about you? Well, um, for sure, as I'm sure most gamblers will, and I'm, I'm sure these two will obviously be the overwhelming favorites by, by post time. Um, it's just kind of a decision for me to HP Mama B and I'm extra special. And, um, you know, I, I think I actually ended up with HP Mama B. Um, yeah. I just thought that last one was, was really nice from her. Um, but uh, over Grand River, but uh, for sure, this is this is going to be a really good one. And, and you're right. They, they've taken turns beating each other. Um, in recent times, though, it has been I'm extra special beating HBLMB twice in a row. So, uh, you know, kind of kind of like sports, right? It's kind of tough to, to beat someone three times in a row. So, so maybe HBLMB will be able to turn the tables uh, tonight. <laughs> but that, that should be a very, very good race to watch, nonetheless, um, tomorrow night. So the next race we'll take a look at was back in race nine. This is a top-level conditioned event. Non-winners of 25,000 Phillies and Mares in the last five starts or non-winners of 39,000 in the last ten starts. On the pace for a purse of 26000 how did you see this one, Monique? Again, I mean, the race goes through the class droppers and Kendall Sealster or the Snow Shark, who took a ton of support. I really thought she was home in that most recent effort um, on that class drop out of the preferred. Finished second there, beaten only a length, went, went off that short purse favor. But it was Lions Tilt Hanover, able to pull off the upset on that day. And she rallied from so far back, kicked home in 26-2. and two. Um, So, again, that's one of those races where it's so difficult. I know, and I envy people that have a strong read in that particular spot. And even the legs of sporty Tori, who's really been able to, to piece it together in those two most recent efforts. And she could have an early jump on some of the rivals with her early speed. But she's one that's interesting in there. To be honest, I haven't exactly mapped out my late uh, pick five or late pick four sequence. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do in this race in particular. There's just a bunch in here that I, I feel warrant serious consideration. Um, of course, Snow Shark Kendall Sealster must be added to any type of those multi-leg wagers. Even Sporty Tori, I know she's been competing versus much tougher. Took some drops in class because she needed to get those victories. But she's, again, got it rolling in fantastic times as two back-to-back -back efforts. 
Um, I want to fly by another one that I think could be producing a big upset. So I have to, on a couple of early glances, I have to kind of go her direction. I know she was, uh, she disappointed a little bit in those two most recent efforts. I think a different type of trip could be in the cards for her today. And I like the eight to one in the morning line. I think she'll be kind of overlooked in that spot. So she would be the price play that I would be kind of targeting in there. But again, I don't know how deep I'd go in those multi-legs. What about for you? Do you like anyone in particular? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different directions to go in here. You, you kind of hit on some of the things I was saying was, um, you know, obviously you've got some class droppers, no shark, Kendall Seals, you know, they've raced against tougher. Sporty Tory really has come through with those two most recent wins. Both have obviously been against easier, but, you know, been on the improve, get a little confidence back. Um, the two Lions tilt Hanover, I thought that was a nice win last time oh, out yeah. um, against uh, easier. But, you know, from post two, got away eighth um, out of the field of 10 and ended up coming with a really good back half of 53 and two to, get the win there by a length of 10 to one. Um, but yeah, the one I go with is the seven Kendall Sealster that Philly mayor open. She finishes fourth in there, but I think she did show something in there and it's called that 52 and four back half <laughs> um, at 51 to one. So uh, that, that was a pretty big effort. I thought from her and if she could put that together again this week, I, I think she'll be tough to beat in the spot for sure. But um, yeah, mapping out my own uh, late pick fours, late pick fives, um, multi-race wagers, I think you definitely got to go pretty deep in there. Um, well, I guess either single to seven or if not, yeah, you're going to have to go deep yeah. again, I think for sure. <laughs> um, so final race we'll talk about on this Friday card is race 10, Ontario Cyrus Stakes Gold, two-year-old Phillies, purse of 100600 It's on the pace. This is, again, the second division off of those um, 14 entrants, the split divisions. And uh, field of seven here, Monique, I think the obvious one to beat is probably the four of Prohibition Legal. I, you know, I wish I was coming on here and gave a huge stand against some of the favorites and thought, oh, you know, I love this huge 10 to 1 in the morning line that's going to produce a huge upset in here. But I can't go against Prohibition Legal. Another one that I just thought has looked so professional, looked so good in it. And I mean... I feel like so many of her victories were never in doubt. She just looked so good. One getting to the lead, she's looked good from off the pace. And I thought that effort two starts back in that gold on August August the 17th was her most impressive one by far. And I thought she had every excuse to maybe not get up. And she defeated some really good ones in there. Balance, um, we got quite a bit of betting support two starts back. Um, again, I think she's going to be incredibly tough in there. And she is super versatile. And I think she drew a lot easier of a field in this gold event. Yeah, definitely. This does appear to be the easier of the, the two divisions, um, for sure. And she definitely will be tough in there. But uh, do you have to mention the, the rail horse, the one fade out nine to five on the morning line versus six to five? And, you know, obviously, as you're well aware in the sport, times don't always mean a whole lot. But mm -hmm. uh, the gamblers may take note that she did go faster than Prohibition Legal. She did go 151 and three last time out in a stakes win. Uh, last weekend, it was by Mohawk. But um, again, obviously, Prohibition Legal's wins have all, all been pretty easy. So I, I think she's probably got more in the tank herself. But uh, it, could, it could be a pretty good battle between those two. And we'll be interested to see what the, the final odds are on those two at post time. So, Monique, we um, obviously will have a separate show later today to discuss the Saturday card. But since we have a couple minutes left, we'll just take a quick look at it. And, um, I mean, I have just started to go through the Saturday card. I know you've looked at it a little bit deeper, but um, it, it's a absolutely phenomenal 13-race card. We have some eliminations in there. Obviously, the big ones are for the Pepsi North America Cup coming up next Saturday, September the 11th. Um, but also in there, there's the Canadian Pacing Derby. Um, we've got the Roses of Red Final for over 300000 I mean, there is all sorts of fantastic, fantastic races on the Saturday card coming up. 
Yeah, super excited to be able to, to finalize my selections and everything. And that's what I'm going to be doing once we get off the air is trying to really figure it out. Because it's, to be honest, looking at a race card like this, you get so excited and it is very overwhelming. You look through it and there's so many good ones. I know I got to do such a deep dive in terms of replays. And there's so many other horses that come in from, from the Big M that, you know, I haven't been able to see on a weekly rotation. So I guess my question to you right away is, who are you most excited to see, you know, ship in here to Woodbine? Um, well, I guess I'll kind of answer that as we go along, but let's just talk about those eliminations really quickly. So, so talking about race six, um, now these are ones that you kind of can help me with since you've seen them on the local scene, uh, Bulldog Hanover, Lawless Shadow and Desperate Man all seem to kind of hook up. It seems like uh, once every couple weeks. So here they come again. Um, obviously I did get a chance to see Lawless Shadow and his impressive, yeah. albeit via DQ victory in the Meadowlands pace. Um, Rocky Road Hanovers have been one of our American horses, been at the Meadowlands uh, on Hamiltonian Day, was a nice winner in the Cane Pace, defeating Perfect Sting that day and Summa Cum Laude, um, was a second-place finisher in the Adios final. So that should be a pretty good race, but um, I don't know if you've given it much thought yet, but what, what, what are you lying there, and in particular between your, your three local ones there, Bulldog Hanover, Lawless Shadow, Desperate Man, any thoughts yet? Yeah, so for you, I have to. I got, got a homework assignment for you, and you got to go back and watch that effort from Bulldog Hanover on July the third, that OSS Gold event where he won out of post ten. That was truly one of the most impressive races I've seen this year. I think it kind of tops my list. Had every excuse to pack it in late, ended up pulling off that upset on that day, um, eight to one price. I, I just, it's the way he won that effort where. He definitely won me over. Um, and, you know, I hate getting attached to horses just, <laughs> just based on one effort. But then following that up, he's looked so good. And even in that most recent race, I think that was arguably his second or visual from a visual perspective, one of his most impressive wins pretty much ever in that most recent The Sun Beach Somewhere. And, you know, I've had the privilege of being able to talk to Jerry Jameson, Jack Darling about, about this horse. And it feels like we are talking to him week in and week out and, you know, just continues to impress, continues to be one of those consummate professionals out on the racetrack. And I think he's the one to beat in the NA Cup. I don't think I'm saying anything that anyone that follows our product is is surprised by. He's just been so good. And I do think it's a really good nod of confidence that he's coming in off of such a dominant performance in that most recent. So he's the one I'm most excited, looking forward to seeing. And, you know, as, as an early NA Cup pick, it's so difficult to, to, to go against him and fault him in the spot. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I have seen that replay sometime in the past, but I will have to look it up again. But I know one of the first winners I picked on the show was that August 7th effort in that Ontario Cyrus Stakes Gold event um, for post-8. And that was that race where, you know, Lawless Shadow ended up in that speed duel of the half in like 53 and 4. And Bulldog Cannon was basically parked out the whole way as well. And I thought put in a pretty good effort. I mean, obviously did get some cover, but nonetheless, I thought a really big effort in that spot as well. So for sure, that should be a really good first elimination. Now, for the second one, and this one seems to have some more of the um, American horses, so I'll answer your question of who I'm most excited and looking forward to see. Um, I, I think in here, for me, actually, if I had to pick one most interesting, it's actually probably the three of Buckabet Hanover. I just, I, you know, Andy McCarthy, when I interviewed him a couple um, months ago at the Meadowlands, he's just continued to talk so highly of this horse. And even on Hamiltonian Day, I, I mean, you know, he's just always has been high on this horse. And you know, won an elimination of the Adios, finished his fifth there, made a break in, in the Meadowlands pace, had a tough mm-hmm. trip there, just kind of got interfered with that mess, uh, made a break in the Messenger. So, you know, he just hasn't quite been able to put it together. But, you know, at one point he was really, really high on the Meadowlands pace list and was considered some, at one point, I believe, probably the favorite or very close to it. And, you know, 
he does, he does have five wins this year from 10 stars, but they just haven't been in the big spots. So um, maybe at some point he's finally going to put it together, and maybe the North American Cup will be his coming out party. Maybe that's one where he gets it done. But um, for sure, he got perfect sting in there. Um, who, you know, as we're all well aware, finished off that 10 for 10 perfect season last year. Um, but, you know, it's hit the board in all eight starts this year, but just hasn't quite. It just, you know, it hasn't quite gotten it done the same way that he did last year. Um, it's been the favorite in, well, every start in the recent form lines. And, you know, has obviously only won two of those, um, including one via DQ. Um, but, uh, you know, second place finish in the Meadowlands pace after disqualification um, was right there in the finish, but still wasn't able to take home the big prize. So he, too, will be looking to take home a big one. And obviously, summa cum laude, another one uh, that was actually th- that heated with Perfect Sting last year in that Breeders' Crown final, um, always won to watch as well shipping up um and then i know there's a couple other local horses in here like jimmy connor b which way to the beach um so any thoughts from you on this elimination money yeah so i i did land on a buck about hanover I, I know the talent is there but again as you mentioned you just got to be able to keep it together and that's just been something that's been hindering him and i wonder what the issue is in many of those starts because his breaks have looked different and they've come at different points in the mile which is which is more concerning for me because I feel like it's a lot more difficult of a fix than it is, you know, if you have a horse that breaks every time before the start or breaks in deep stretch. So it's a little bit tricky from that perspective, but I think he's going to be overlooked a tad bit in a lot of, in this elimination in particular. And then I would presume, um, you know, if he does make it looking far ahead, I feel like he's someone who, like I said, you know, we know the talent is there and still, despite some of his miscues, despite some of his less than ideal trips, he's still been able to, to win half of his races thus far and you know it is a good nod of confidence to hear you say how highly they've been speaking about him because I mean I can see it on paper um I'm more curious to be able to to go through some of his replays and be able to really deep dive in that but he's one that just jumps off the page to me a perfect sting another one that you know I'm excited to be able to see what kind of I well at least I can conclude went wrong in a lot of those efforts but it's so difficult to say that because been ultra consistent yet to finish off the board thus far this year but I mean it is completely just in sparkling lights to see the 10 out of 10 versus three of eight thus far this year. So I don't know. I think he can take a big step forward in this spot. And I'm curious to see what he can do in the elimination here. So those are the two that just kind of really just jump off the page. Uh, Summa cum laude. I mean, scratch sick in that most recent start. I was looking forward to seeing him make his uh, debut here. So curious about him in particular. What can you tell me about him? Because 0 for 7 is kind of maybe one of those things that kind of lead me away. But I can see who he's been up against. He's been in it very tough. And the trips don't look all that favorable. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely had some some very tough trips of it. But um, obviously has been defeated in, in even some conditioned events down there at the, at the Meadowlands. Um, I, I don't know. I think at this point, at least in his career, obviously the big claim to fame is, of course, the, the dead heat with perfect sting. And, and yeah. obviously just... Um, you know, did finish out a very nice freshman campaign, five for fifteen, but um, you know, made, made almost half a million. Obviously, the, the Breeders' Crown win helps, but uh, yeah, over seven this year and just hasn't quite been the same. Um, again, he's another one that's just kind of, I guess, looking for that big race victory, and again, maybe, maybe it'll end up coming in the uh, North America Cup. But um, yeah, so far this year, he has been a little bit disappointing, and um, yeah, I'm not quite sure what to think of him coming off of that six scratch as well. You're right when he was supposed to make the Woodbine debut um, last Saturday. Yeah, so I'm more so looking forward to this one because I do feel like I have a great read in terms of that that first elimination with Bulldog Hanover. I'm excited about the second one. I think it'll tell me all I need to know, at least for horses using underneath. And then, you know, of course, we don't have the luxury of seeing many of these horses race uh, week in and week out. So I'm going to see who catches my eye and then go from there. And then, I mean, it's going to be 
going to be a great one to handicap once we have the field set for, so I guess I'm curious for you is, you know, in thoroughbred racing, we talk about post position being so important. What about in harness? I mean, obviously you don't want to be drawing, um, you don't want to be drawing the extreme outside, but how much weight do you put into, uh, so let's say you have a strong opinion on who you kind of like in the NA Cup based on eliminations. Does it deter you if they draw a less than ideal post or do you kind of look at it like, oh, okay, now I'm going to be getting a better price. So how much emphasis do you put on post position in a race like that? Well, um, so I suppose there's a lot of ways to answer that. So, so first of all, obviously, this is not a um, one answer fits all answer. Obviously, I, I work at a half mile track, a five eighths mile track, and a mile <laughs> track. So obviously, they're all three, as we know, very, very different. Um, so I guess to answer specifically for Woodbine Mohawk, um, you know, I, I think especially now it's been a word that's been said a lot recently in um, the last couple of weeks on this show. But of course, the slanted gate now um, yeah. definitely gives you know helps those outside forces. So uh, no, I, I mean, I, I just think, um, you know, if you're like an outside horse, I don't think I'm terribly deterred from it. And especially, you know, maybe not a wood by Mohawk, but I'm really thinking more towards, you know, my other jobs at Freehold and Rosecroft on, on the half mile and the 5-8 track. Places like there with kind of the smaller pools, it seems like people will sometimes kind of ignore those outside horses and let them go off at a higher price than they should be. Um, so I might not see that as much as wood by Mohawk. You do occasionally, you know, get a little bit better price than outside horse, but you know, if I'm getting a better price than I think I deserve on the horse with the outside post, and especially with my Mohawk with the slanted gate, I'm not really too terribly deterred personally. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on the, on the topic are, but that, that's my thought. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I wouldn't be too all that concerned unless it's a horse that really likes to utilize that speed and then unfortunately gets hindered with, with a rail draw, for example. I think that would be the one kind of deterring factor. I feel like that would just, you know, make it more difficult for that horse to come through and give me one other reason to potentially play against them. But I'm not all that um I'm not going to hold all that much weight to the post positions, at least on the harness side. I mean, I feel like the best horse usually pending as long as they're able to avoid traffic trouble, able to avoid um, an outside trip. I feel like they can usually come through if they're on their game. So I don't hold all that much weight personally. Well, anyway, that was a quick brief look here at those eliminations. Again, I'll be back later this evening with an episode of First Over with Edison Hatter to discuss deeper in depth on the Saturday evening card, including all those great 13 races. Um, but for now, just about out of time for this episode. So, Monique, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun, and you know, I'm curious to be able to, to rewatch your NA Cup episode and just be able to hear your thoughts on the Saturday card as a whole. But, you know, I, I had a great time. Thank you again for having me. Thank you again for coming on. And uh, just final plugs here um, for anyone wanting to keep the conversation going with either Monique or I. Monique can be found on Twitter at Parlay Queen. I can be found at Edison underscore 1999 underscore. Um, again, free programs for this card and every other card at Woodbine Mohawk can be found at woodbine.com backslash Mohawk backslash free hyphen programs. And again, this is 12 races coming up tomorrow evening, Friday, September the 3rd. And then Saturday, September the 4th, that big 13-race card, including the eliminations for the Pepsi North America Cup that will come up next Saturday, September the 11th, will be the 38th edition, the final next Saturday, again, September the 11th. But that's it for this episode. First, over with Edison Hatter. We will talk to you next time.